everyone, and welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you have joined us. How are you doing? How are you managing all of the changes that we are enduring because of the coronavirus pandemic? I'm committed every day in this space, on this platform that we've created for this information and discussion distributor to check in with you every day. Just see how you're doing. What are you doing? Are things really, really different in your world, or are they just a little different? And are those differences making you anxious, or are they maybe bringing you a little comfort? It's really important right now that we be able to talk to each other about what's going on in our lives and connect with the people that we can't connect with physically through forums like this. And so we continue the conversation here on Detroit Today about the coronavirus pandemic and what is different. All hour, of course, we want to hear from you. Call and tell us how you're doing. Call and tell us what you're doing. Call and tell us what emotional reactions you're seeing from the people around you or from yourself. This is really different for lots and lots of people. It's really isolating for lots and lots of people who don't necessarily want to be isolated all the time. We really want to hear what's going on with you and how you're dealing with all of this and what you're anticipating. This is not something that's going to go on for a few days or maybe even a few weeks. I think we're now realizing that it could be mid to late summer before we start to reemerge from the cocoons we're putting ourselves into to greet the, the world again, to put everything back together, to come back to a space where you can shake somebody's hand or give them a hug and not worry about spreading a de- deadly virus. As always, the number on the phones here is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can always go to the WDET Facebook page, too, and put comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll try to work you into the conversation that we're having here. And again, don't worry about what it is you have to say. We want to hear all of it. We want to hear from people about their lives right now and how they're managing Up first today, we are going to spend the rest of the hour, again, talking with local physicians to talk about the challenges that we're facing during this pandemic and answer your specific medical questions. Yesterday, in an unprecedented move for us here on Detroit Today, we had a second hour of the show from 2 to 3 p.m. where we welcomed two doctors to talk with folks just about the medical questions that they have How does this virus work? How does testing work? How do I know, even if I test negative, that I'm not at risk? We got to all of those issues yesterday, and we want to continue that conversation today. We've got two local physicians on tap to answer your questions. And again, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. Uh, I want to welcome Lisa Alconan. She is an MD and a specialist in internal medicine based in West Bloomfield to the show. Lisa, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning. Yeah. So I want to start with you on this point. Uh, You've been critical of how the federal government has been handling this. Uh, Tell us what your primary concerns have been. 
Well, I have several concerns. My first concern is the timing, which is too late. We got into the game six weeks too late. So we would have been way ahead of, of where we are now, number mm-hmm. one. Um, we, as primary care physicians, but not just me, hospitals, emergency rooms, nurses, cannot get the protective equipment that is needed to protect us against the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. We have equipment that we have from SARS from 2000. In 2006, so we have N95 masks. They're very old, but we have them. Uh, obviously, the other big concern, which is all over the media, is you know the testing right. and why testing is taking so long here and why we don't have testing for more people who need it. And, and what explains, from your standpoint, this slow federal response? I mean, I think a lot of people are looking at the president of the United States, some of the things he said, some of the things he did early on, and saying that is a reason that things are not going better. But I think some people are looking deeper than that and over a longer period of time. Uh, which of those for you is, is standing out as the reason that we're struggling? Well, there's several reasons. I mean, in 2018, we um, actually decreased and pretty much got rid of the emergency preparedness um, division, of, you know, which would have prepared for a pandemic. So we don't have the specialists who could have foreseen what could possibly have happened and implemented procedures prior to getting into a situation that we're in now. Um, the president in late January went on TV um, and he really didn't see any type of significant concern of what was happening in China that it could reach the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about some of the other issues that you've been facing around equipment and testing as a physician. Uh, talk about what the last few days have looked like for you as a doctor here in Southeast Michigan. Well, in the last two weeks, I've been calling you know, the local health department. I've called... Um, Gary Peters' office, I've called the governor's office, and, and I now realize that everyone's hands are tied. There's no equipment, there's no personal protective equipment to give us. We are currently waiting on the Senate to approve what the House just approved um, to let 3M um, actually, they have lots of ma- N95 masks that they're ready to let out, but I guess they don't have proper insurance on it. But So uh, we've had a huge change in our office in the last few weeks. You know, I'm a primary care physician. I'm used to seeing sick people, and that's my job. I can't see sick people anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about the disease itself and what people may be starting to see in people who are affected. Uh, talk about the symptoms. In what order do they appear, and how should people respond when they start to see or feel that uh, they, may be, they may be one of the victims? Well, so that's a very good question, and, you know, really 80% of people have very mild symptoms. So when people call me and they tell me they have a sore throat, um, a cold, congestion, my response to them is they have to stay home. They have to quarantine, self-quarantine, because those are symptoms of many things, such as just the common cold. However, right now we have to assume everybody who has symptoms like that has the coronavirus. Hmm. Now, people also have flu-like symptoms, like low-grade fever, even high fever, muscle aches, um, just overall fatigue. 
we have to assume also that is coronavirus and they have to self-quarantine and people in their household have to self-quarantine also. I cannot tell those people to go get tested because there is no testing for them. Hmm. So uh, how worried are you about the possibility that you and others in your facility will will have to close because of safety concerns or put yourselves at extreme risk of contracting this disease. Talk to me about the calculus that uh, that you're making about the risk here. Well, that's an extreme worry, um, unfortunately. Um, we have um, somebody at our front door who's um, completely gowned and masked and just taking the temperature of everybody who walks in the office. And unfortunately, if somebody has a temperature, we can't let them in. Um, that's unprecedented for a doctor's office. Mm. If somebody is high risk or concern, we'll even have them wait in the car and we'll check and let them know. I sent one patient um, who was in the car, went and spoke with him, sent him to Beaumont. He actually was tested and is now in quarantine. Um, we, um, on Monday, had implemented virtual office visits. We're lucky that we got in because I understand the program we're in uh, is closed now. And we started implementing yesterday virtual office visits, and we are going to expand that um, next week. Mm. Um, also, I, I wonder what you imagine will happen with the testing situation mm-hmm. as we get further into this. Is this something that's going to get better? Is there going to be some sort of massive mobilization in order to produce more tests, get them to physicians and hospitals, and get more people tested or are we going to, is it too late for that? Are we going to struggle the entire time through this because we weren't prepared? Well, I can only see that improving and I mean, we're struggling initially and the problem is if we would have more testing now, then we can test people who have mild to moderate symptoms and then those people would not be out in the world, you know, in the communities infecting other people. Um, I have, um, you know, a patient who has I think nine children, and I'm pretty sure she has the virus. Her children are, some of them are adults, living at home, going out in the community. If I knew for sure she was positive, I mean, I told her to quarantine, but how can you tell nine people to quarantine when you don't even know for sure you have the virus? If we knew people had the virus who had asymptomatic or moderate, mild symptoms, we could then protect everybody else by having them self-quarantine. But I do anticipate that things will improve because they have to. (laughs) Hmm. I know that Beaumont just developed their own test. I know that um, there's other labs that have, like LabCorp and Quest, but the turnaround time has still been five days or longer. Hmm. This is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and my guest is Dr. Lisa Elkonen. She's a specialist in internal medicine based in West Bloomfield. Uh, We have her here today as part of our effort to make sure that there's good, solid information out there for our listeners about what they should be doing, what they shouldn't be doing with regard to the coronavirus pandemic. Um, If you have questions, if you have specific medical questions, this is the time to call and ask them. Dr. Alconan will be happy to answer in a little bit. We're also going to be joined by Dr. Paul Thomas, a primary care physician at Plum Health. Uh, He's a direct primary, which is a direct primary care provider in Corktown. Uh, We're going to talk with him as well about all of this, but also he's going to stay with us 
throughout most of the day on Twitter and answer your questions. You just go there and hashtag Detroit Today, and Dr. Paul Thomas will be able to give you information that you need. But we also want to hear from you just about what is going on with you. How are you doing during all of this? What are you doing during all of this? How are you feeling about all of the things that have changed in our world in just a very short period of time? How are you dealing with the isolation that so many of us are not used to? The idea that you can't really interact with other people. You can't really connect in the ways that uh, we are used to doing. Uh, we really want to make sure that in this forum uh, we maintain some of those connections, even though we can't do it physically. Uh, this is a place that we all come together every day to discuss the things that are important around our city, our state, and our nation. Uh, this will be a maintained space during all of this where you can come and talk about the things that you're experiencing, and the things that you are feeling. <clears throat> As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or again, Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, which you can do all day today to talk with Dr. Paul Thomas, uh, and we'll try to work some of those com comments into the conversation. Uh, let's start with Bob in Wyandotte. Bob. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Hey, Stephen, so I'm wondering, I'm a pharmacist, and when people come down with the, uh, with the virus, how long does it last, and then how long will they be contagious after? So should they expect the symptoms for a week, for two weeks, and then are they still contagious after that? Hmm. Great question, Bob. Uh, uh, Dr. Alconan, one of the things that I think is, is a big kind of mystery about this disease is if it's not fatal, right? If, if you get it and have mild symptoms or even maybe severe symptoms but, but, but not under threat of, of fatality, how does it play out? And as Bob is asking, how should you manage the sort of infectious nature of it if you get it and then survive it? and are healthy again? That's a great question and one thing that I have been actually researching myself because I don't think that there is a great answer to that. We know that the average time to infectivity from um, somebody being um, exposed is three to five days. Hmm. Once somebody is sick, um, you know, I, I would think that I, I would probably ask that they quarantine for up to two weeks. However, we don't have that data right now. And I have read data that the virus can shed for days and weeks after. However, they don't think that people are contagious after that, even though the virus is still in their system and shedding. But I, there's no real data to support that. There's, hmm. We don't know. And, and another kind of related question is, this is early in the sort of life of this virus on the planet and, and interacting with human beings. Sometimes viruses change and they mutate. Is that something that we need to be thinking about and trying to plan for as they try to develop vaccines, for instance, or come up with protocols for, for treating the disease? Well, that's another great question. So the coronavirus isn't a new virus. Oh. The coronavirus has been around. COVID-19 is a new virus. So this right. is a mutated virus. Right. Coronavirus is actually a common cause of a common cold. That's what causes colds. Right. And we've seen coronavirus for years. SARS was a coronavirus also. 
Um, so just like the flu mutates, this is possibly something that could mutate. And, you know, a vaccine, they're going to have to see what happens, and they'll have to try and, you know, adjust the vaccine um, once we have a vaccine um, for, you know, anticipation of mutations if, if that's what happens. But I don't think we know at this time. Yeah. Uh, again, Bob, thanks very much for the call and the questions. Uh, John in Dearborn couldn't stay on the line, but he wants to know how this whole thing ends. If we have to wait a year for a vaccine, what happens in the meantime? Are we banking on <clears throat> herd immunity where enough people get the virus that it slows down and eventually dies down? Uh, what, what does the next 10 or 12 months perhaps look like? Well, that, I guess, also we don't really know. Yes, mm-hmm. they say that either 50 to 70% of people will have to develop some type of immunity for this to stop, or we have a vaccine, or it just dies out on its own. When we look at China, the cases in China are decreasing, and that's been, um, what, three, four months? Mm-hmm. So I think there's hope there. But they also had mass testing, and their isolation, you know, they quarantined, they took people out of their homes and put them in separate centers and quarantine them to keep them away from family members. Hmm. So they implemented things completely differently. You know, really the bottom line is people need to really stay home. The children and teens that are out of school need to not interact with their friends. They also need to practice social isolation. You know, you see these young college students having a blast on the beach. You know, they're the people who are going to be able to spread the virus to people at risk. Young people need to take this seriously. They need to also practice social isolation. They need to just keep distance from other people. This Mm. isn't a party. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Thanks uh, again for the call and the question. Let's go to Elizabeth in Garden City. Elizabeth, welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Uh, my question is this. I'm a recent cancer survivor, so I, I know I have a compromised immune system. And I've been wearing a mask and gloves uh, when I do have to go shopping. I'm, I'm single, so I kind of have to fend for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm wondering at what point, let's say, God forbid, I get, get the virus, at what point do you take yourself to the hospital? You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. Are you immunocompromised currently? Have you just finished like a chemotherapy treatment? Uh, no, I, I, my white blood count is down. I've had struggled to get it back up. Okay. Treatment. So I, I know that it's down. So you're higher so, risk. So yeah. they, they say at this point, really, the time to take yourself to the hospital is really if you have severe symptoms. If you have chest pain, chest pressure, and difficulty breathing. Now, these symptoms can progress rapidly. So if you feel any shortness of breath and chest pain, and for you, being that you're immunocompromised, I would say a high fever, at that point, I would call the emergency room ahead of time and let them know that you're coming because they would want to take precautions, um, you know, for themselves too. Hmm. Uh, Elizabeth, before we let you go, I want to ask you a question. You you said that you live alone and uh, that you're a recent cancer survivor. Give us an idea of how you're managing all of this, given the extreme need for you to 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 really isolate. How are how are things going? I, you know, you get it in a frame of mind when you're battling cancer. You you got kind of in this frame of mind. It's like I don't know, super focused. Mm-hmm. And 
I think it helps because it, it lets you to shut down other things. And so I, I just, I'm planned it out. I go grocery shopping when there's few people. I mask up. I've got games. I'm working on my house. I'm just kind of trying to keep a positive frame of mind and a very focused frame of mind. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like a little battle. <laughs> well, Elizabeth, you're a warrior and you just beat one disease. So you're in the front line now, and you are a warrior to undertake another disease. You probably have one of the best understandings of what it's like to try and beat a disease because you've had to deal with it already. Yeah, Elizabeth, uh, we wish you all of the luck in the world, and hopefully you've got uh, some supports around you to help you get through this time and, and the isolation Again, that I think uh, most of us are not used to having to deal with. Okay, uh, Dr. Lisa Elkonen, a specialist in internal medicine in West Bloomfield. It was really great to have you here on Detroit Today. All right, well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Sure. Up next, we are going to continue the conversation about the coronavirus and answer your medical questions. We're going to talk with Dr. Paul Thomas, a primary care physician right here in Detroit. And we will continue to take your calls and questions. 313-577-1019 is always the number on the phones. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you have joined us. We are continuing to talk about the coronavirus and the effects on all of our lives that it is having. Uh, We want to make sure that you have access to great information about what we should be doing, what we shouldn't be doing, and make sure that you have access to platforms like this one for the connection that we are all losing with people around us. So call and tell us, what are you doing? How are you doing? How is this affecting your life? Uh, How much have you been upended by all of this? And how are you adapting to a new reality that we may be dealing with, not just for days or weeks, but perhaps for months. As always, the number on the phones here is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today and we'll work you into the conversation. And joining us now to talk more about specific medical issues and answer your specific medical questions is Dr. Paul Thomas. He's a primary care physician at Plum Health Direct Primary Care in Corktown. Dr. Paul, welcome back to Detroit Today. Stephen, thank you so much for having me on today. Yeah. So uh, one of the things that uh, is really notable about your practice is the way in which you deal with insurance uh, and prescription drugs. Uh, Refresh our listeners' minds about the way Plum Health deals with, uh, with those issues. Yeah, so we believe that healthcare should be affordable and accessible for everyone. And to that end, we remove the barriers between patients and ourselves. So we don't bill or use insurance, and instead our patients pay 
a monthly membership. It's $10 a month for kids, and it starts at $49 a month for adults. And with that membership, our patients can call, text, or email, email us anytime, mm-hmm. and we respond as soon as we can to them. And we also get folks wholesale medications and at-cost lab work in our uh, clinic. Yeah. And so uh, this is something that, of course, helps people who are unable to afford or unable to get health insurance. Uh, put that in the context of what we're dealing with right now. What is the, what is the effect of our reliance on the insurance industry to provide uh, things like healthcare and and prescription drugs. What does that look like when you're dealing with a pandemic? Right. So as as we know in America, the majority of people get health insurance through their employers, and suddenly a lot of companies, especially in the food and beverage industry and the retail industry, are cutting back on their employees. So if you lose your employment, uh, you may also lose your health care coverage or your health insurance coverage. So, you know, for folks who are enrolled in our services, our our payment is not tied to their um, employment via their employer. So, you know, there's there's a lot of changes coming in our economy and, you know, a lot of instability on the horizon. So, mm. you know, one way that people are safeguarding themselves is by having a low-cost health care service that they can use when they need it. Yeah. Uh, again, the number on the phones here is 313-577-1019. Uh, let's go to Todd in Detroit. Todd, welcome to Detroit today. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask about the, um, the asymptomatic carriers of the COVID-19. You know, how do we even account for this if sick people can't even get tested? I'm supposed to visit my parents in a couple of weeks and, you know, concern that, I could be carrying it and not even know it. Mm. Great question, Todd. Uh, thanks very much for the call. Dr. Paul, what do we do about the idea that many people who are infected with this disease don't know and are not showing any symptoms of it? I mean, I think that helps explain some of the behavior we've seen uh, in pictures from spring breakers who are, who are crowded together on beaches still. Uh, there are many states where restaurants and bars are still open and people are congregating there. But but even on an individual level, level like what Todd is talking about, how do you go see your parents during a time like this and even check on them, uh, which, which most of us, I think, would want to do without putting them at risk that, uh, that they could catch it from, from us? Unfortunately, the reality is, is that we have to all – understand that we could potentially have the virus and act accordingly. So if your parents are vulnerable, Todd, you know, the best thing to do is, would be to stay away. Unfortunately, uh, we don't have enough tests in the United States uh, to test everyone. In fact, we have some of the lowest per capita testing uh, for the countries affected so far. Apparently, we have 23 tests per million people, which is really staggeringly low, whereas uh, Italy had 826 tests per million people, and South Korea had 3,600 tests per million people. So testing will ramp up, but until that time, the best thing to do is stay in place and stay at home and not visit uh, people who are vulnerable to this condition, because many of us will be asymptomatic carriers. 
Yeah. Uh, Janice has a kind of related uh, question that she put on Twitter. Which has lower risk overall, going to the grocery store, which we all need to do to get food, or getting delivery or curbside pickup? Which, which is the thing that we should be doing to make sure we're not spreading the disease by just trying to get food? Yeah, that's a really difficult question. We know that the virus can live on um, plastic surfaces and stainless steel surfaces for two to three days. Um, and copper services for four hours. So with that in mind, you know, it's really difficult to say which is better because, you know, you don't know who's touched the goods or, you know, if somebody had recently walked through the store or and is sick or, you know, perhaps the delivery driver is asymptomatic carrier as well. So it's really hard to say. There's not a lot of evidence around that. Um, if you're, it's really hard to say. I can't really give a good answer on that one. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's go to Tom in Northwest Detroit, who's got a kind of related question as well. Tom, welcome to the show. Yeah, good morning to both of you. You know what? <laughs> Change is a constant of life, and I'm I'm a political animal. Okay, and involved with a lot of politics. We, when I say we, the 14th district had to cancel our meeting this past Saturday. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's affecting things that way. I'm also a member of the Wayne County Democratic Black Caucus, and um, we're going to probably cancel our April meeting as well. But anyway, my question was this. Can the coronavirus live in chlorinated water? I'm a swimmer, hmm. and um, Mayor Duggan, I'm mean, glad he did it. He closed the recreation centers. But I was just curious as to, you know, can the virus living chlorinated water. Yeah, that's a great question, Tom. I mean, I, 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 I'm going to let Dr. Paul answer it, but I think one of the questions, of course, is not just whether it survives in the water. It's the, it's the community, you know, the, the, the sort of community that, that comes together to swim. In other words, the proximity to other people and, and gyms and, and things like that that, uh, that seem to pose the, the greater risk. But Dr. Paul, talk about virus and swimming pools? Yeah, that's a great question. And the CDC has gotten this question so often that they actually put a little bulletin, uh, um, cdc.gov, water transmission and COVID-19. So currently they're saying it cannot spread through the drinking water because of treatment and decontamination. And then it cannot be spread through pools and hot tubs. So they're saying that there's no evidence that COVID-19 can be spread to humans through the use of pools and hot tubs, because if they're properly operated and using the proper disinfectants, those uh, should remove or inactivate the coronavirus, mm. COVID-19. But but again, the idea of a swimming pool, which is a communal asset and requires people to come together in close proximity to use it. I think that's the the thinking behind closing down rec centers and closing down gyms and things like that. It's it's not just the water. It's it's how how close you are to other to other people. Certainly, yeah. You, you know, to go to a pool, you got to go into a rec center. There have to be staff there to maintain it. You have to have a locker room where you're, you know, changing out of your clothes and touching surfaces like lockers. And it would be very difficult to disinfect all of those surfaces, even though the water may clean, may be clean. There's a lot of um, barriers you have to get through to get to that clean water. 
so yeah. to speak. Yeah. Tom, uh, thanks very much for the call uh, and the question. Uh, Courtney on Twitter asks whether there's a concern of transmitting the virus through shared paper products. So magazines, which still are being delivered to our houses, photo albums, scrapbooks, coloring books, newspapers. How long does the virus survive on those kind of porous paper products? They're saying that the coronavirus can live on cardboard for 24 hours. Um, so I would make the assumption that it would probably be in that range of one day to two days at max. So if you get the delivery of your favorite magazine, maybe let it sit for two days in your uh, four-year or um, on, a, on a table where you're not entering and then pick it up two days later and read through it. Hmm. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones here. Uh, we want to hear your stories about how your life is changing because of the coronavirus and the isolating that we're all being asked to indulge at this time. And we've got Dr. Paul Thomas, a primary care physician at Plum Health, which is a direct primary care provider in Corktown here with us to answer your specific medical questions about coronavirus. Lots of misinformation out there, lots of information kind of deserts about what is going on. Uh, we want to make sure that you have access to really accurate information, really good information about what we should be doing, what we shouldn't be doing, and how we ought to be anticipating the next days and weeks as this unfolds. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. You can also go to Facebook and Twitter, put comments there, and we'll try to work them into the conversation. Let's go to Elena in Bloomfield Hills. Elena, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank mm -hmm. you for giving me opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, I live in Bloomfield Hills, and I do operate um, housing for aged. And I do take precautions, and I would like to share. For example, I order food from Costco groceries. Mm -hmm. Everything they bring, they leave it on my porch. And I use gloves to come out and basically unpack the top package. Uh, unpack everything that they bring to my house. And then I use just a wet towel that I soak in water with bleach to wipe off all wrappage, uh, all packaging. And then only after that, I bring everything to my house. Hmm. The same thing with mail, of course. Um, I leave it um, outside. And we do have uh, spray bottles with solution of bleach and water. We try to disinfect everything. But in fact, I was very um, careful. I actually closed my communities for quarantine about three weeks ago. Mm. And um, because when you work with a vulnerable community, you have to be careful. There's never enough carefulness right. in this world when you work with people who are 90, 95, and 100 years old. So there are things could be done, but most of all, I was concerned when I came to the gas station to pump gas, and I saw everybody. I didn't see one person besides me wearing gloves. Yeah. So the people were passing uh, gas pump from hand to hand, and God knows how many people there got probably infected. Uh, in, in um, infected. So that is a great concern that community as a whole, people just don't understand how serious it is how dangerous it is. If they don't concern about themselves, they have to think about others. Mm. So that, that is a great concern that there are so many people who are completely ignorant 
and be careless. And I think that is the biggest threat right now. Yeah. You know, Elena, I really appreciate the call and the perspective. It sounds like you are taking extraordinary measures to make sure that the people in your community are uh, safe from from all of this. Uh, Dr. Paul, I, I, I wonder, though, uh, you know, the gas station question is a great one. Uh, everybody's got to put gas in their car. If you go and do that and you touch the handle of the gas pump, are you exposing yourself perhaps to, to, to the virus? I mean, at some point, it becomes a question of what we're able to to even do, what we're able to alter about our habits and and how vigilant we can be about that. I mean, I, I, that's one of the things that I don't think I've thought a whole lot about, uh, the, 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 the gas pump. Is it possible to isolate enough to make sure that we don't spread this around? Yeah, and that's, that's where this becomes truly a public health thing, where everyone in the public has to take part and to think critically about how they could affect each other. So if you've been tested positive, you know, you have to quarantine and you have to rely on others to help you get through this epidemic by either delivering you food or taking care of the things that you can't take care of because you can't leave your house. And, you know, we're acting in good faith that, you know, people will cover their cough and use clean hands to handle the gas pumps. But in reality, those places are places where we can potentially transmit the virus. So it might be prudent to have a glove in your car or a pair of cotton gloves in your car that you use for a high risk touch points like a grocery cart or a uh, gas pump handle. And then you, when you're done with your shopping or done pumping gas, perhaps you turn those gloves inside out and throw them on the floor of your car and then place them in your washing machine when you get home. I mean, or you can buy a box of disposable glove, disposable gloves and go through your day by using those. Um, but that's really the importance of staying at home, hunkering down, washing your hands thoroughly. And if you are infected or high risk, just really avoiding um, anyone outside of your home. Yeah. Again, Elena, thanks very much for what you're doing in your community. And thanks for calling and letting us know about it here on Detroit Today. We're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Dr. Paul Thomas about the coronavirus. He's going to answer more of your questions. Uh, Stay with us. Stay with us on the phones. Alice in Detroit, Tim in Bagley, Jerome in Lincoln Park. We'll get to you next as well. If you want to join them, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. One oh one nine WDET, Detroit's NPR station, celebrating seventy years of radio in Detroit. Oh, 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 oh,
This is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for joining us. My guest is Dr. Paul Thomas, a primary care physician at Plum Health Direct Primary Care in Corktown. He's here answering your specific medical questions about the coronavirus and the nature of this pandemic, uh, what we should be doing, what we shouldn't be doing, how we should take more precaution to make sure that this doesn't spread as virulently as it has in other places. Uh, We also want to hear from you this hour just about how you're doing. What are you doing? How different does life look and feel right now? And how are you coping with that? I mean, for a lot of people, I think uh, disruption like this is very difficult to manage, uh, both emotionally and even financially, of course, which we are just learning about Uh, in terms of the way that that's having an impact on people. Uh, Call and tell us what you're doing to get by. Call and tell us what you're doing to pass the time. And call and tell us what you're doing to sort of compensate for that loss of human connection that all of us are indulging right now. For a lot of people, that's very difficult, the idea of isolating and not having any sort of actual touch with other human beings. As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page or to Twitter and put comments there, and we'll work you into the conversation. Let's go to Jerome in Lincoln Park. Jerome, welcome to the show. Yes. Yep, go ahead. Right. uh, Yes, I was trying to find out from the doctor there about Plum Health. Are they taking on patients with a pre-existing condition? Hmm. That's a great question, Jerome. Dr. Paul, are you taking new patients at this point? We are taking new patients um, and patients with pre-existing conditions. We don't charge any different for patients if they have uh, no uh, major health conditions or if they have major health conditions previously. Um, well, I will say that uh, we're being very cautious about who comes into our office because we want to avoid um, risking an infection with somebody with a pre-existing condition in this time only. Mm-hmm. You know, our concern is the health and safety of our community, so we want to make sure that we're not passing on the infection to anybody inadvertently. Yeah. And we're going to put Dr. Paul's contact info on our webpage so that uh, if you, Jerome, want to reach out and and become one of the patients there at Plum Health, you can do that. Uh, I really appreciate you listening, and I appreciate the call. Let's go to Alice in Detroit. Alice, welcome to the show. Thank you. My question is, if you have symptoms, can, is there some treatment, and can we get the test so that people can test themselves at home, or is there some treatment for you at home? Um, The other thing is about the gas station. There was a gas station on Mack Avenue that I went to. I also used wipes when I touched the handle. They were wiping down the pumps, Hmm. wiping them down every uh, three times or four times a day. They were just wiping them down. Yeah, that's a, you know, I didn't know about that either, Alice. That's a pretty uh, enterprising effort by by that gas station. Great uh, great to hear about that. Uh, Dr. Paul, her question, though, is about if you are infected with this and have symptoms, what are the treatments that you should be doing if you're at home, if you're not so sick that you have to go to the hospital? 
Right. So we're advising people who have mild or moderate symptoms to stay at home and to use uh, medications as directed by their physician. I will say that we're avoiding use of ibuprofen and steroids. It's thought that these anti-inflammatory meds can weaken the immune system and increase your risk for contracting coronavirus. There's limited data about that out right now. They are saying that Tylenol or acetaminophen is a good alternative. Um, if you have mild or moderate symptoms, it's best to treat this like any other viral infection that we've all had before. Rest, plenty of fluids, um, tea, tea with honey, lozenges, um, and just generally staying at home and not interacting with anybody else who you could potentially transmit this to. Um, if you're having more severe symptoms like fever and shortness of breath, um, that would put you in a more high risk group. And then that's when you'd want to contact your doctor or healthcare provider and reach out to a hospital to be admitted. Uh, great question and uh, great information there, Dr. Paul. Let's go to Tim and Bagley. Tim, welcome uh, to the show. Morning. Hey, Tim. How are you? Good. Uh, I want to first answer your question, of which I don't think anyone has. As you should know, I am a DPSCD teacher, and I have all of my uh, Black American Studies papers with me, so I'm grading those. <laughs> Secondly, You're still grading. Oh, my goodness. Please, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Secondly, I do want to thank all of the medical community who's getting out there and taking a stronger stance at lethargy and telling us what we need to know. But at the same time, let's apply some analytical uh, probability here. We're hearing the same information over and over and over and over without anything new, without anything about cure, without anything about drinking water and and. and augmenting our diet with certain foods that might uh, help us in our immunology uh build up. But this is primarily related back to our president who two weeks, three weeks ago said, oh, it's okay. This man who's got technology and intel that can tell this country when any missile is being moved to any silo, when any group of people are making any movements, and when any biohazard has kind of like gotten out of hand or whatever, and he's telling us three weeks ago, oh, don't worry about it. Just go ahead and invest in the stock market. This man who on Terry Gross's program, and she interviewed a CDC official who stated specifically, this president has moved out, fired, removed key virologists, mm. immunologists, physicians, PhDs, MDs from the CDC and has replaced them with his business people. So no wonder he's telling us, oh, everything will be okay. It's just like a cold. We are in trouble as long as we've got this type of a mindset in this White House. Uh, secondly, uh, I would like to suggest that uh, people go out and eat uh, proper nourishing meals, mm. um, get some garlic, get some asparagus. Your physicians will confirm this. Their byproducts are allicin and sulfur, which ancient apothecarians used to use to cleanse the body of negative microbes. Mm. Let's all be safe. Let's be smart. Thanks for people being out there telling us the truth and right on time as opposed to what our president is doing. <laughs> Tim, Tim, I appreciate the call. Sure thing. The comments and the advice. Uh, Dr. Paul, that question about nutrition, I think, during a time like this really, really is important because uh, in this country, of course, uh, access to food is tied as most other things are to to your your wealth, your ability to 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 buy things. And I would think that during a time like this, when people are told not to go outside of their homes, that nutrition, especially for the poor, especially 
for kids becomes more precarious. Right. I, I can't, couldn't agree more. You know, the we have a lot of social inequity in our country that leads to our health outcome disparities between higher income folks and lower income folks. And the data bears this out. But, you know, to the point, there are things that you can do to boost your immune system that don't involve food, um, things like regular exercise. So even though uh, you are quarantined, it is reasonable to go out for a walk as long as you maintain social distancing. So getting an hour in of a brisk walk could be helpful for boosting your immune system. Whenever the sun comes through, perhaps getting some sunshine and vitamin D can help your immune system. And then getting eight hours of sleep can also help your immune system. So doing those things and doing what you can for the food, all those things can help to boost your immune system and to protect you from this coronavirus and any other viral infection. Mm. Uh, again, Tim, very very good to hear from you, and thanks for the call. Let's go to Jody in Detroit. Jody, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a daughter who has been studying abroad since January, and she has um, a flight back from France abruptly um, today, and uh, she's going to need to self-quarantine for 14 days. But we as a family will be living here with her as she quarantines. And I'm just wondering, what does that really mean? How how do we as a family um, integrate with her here back in the household? Mm. Great question, Jody. Uh, Dr. Paul. I don't mean to alarm you, but the household transmission for coronavirus is relatively high. Um, the WHO put out some information on this. It's all an investigation right now. There's not a lot of uh, hard data on this yet, but you know there there is a relatively high rate of household transmission for the coronavirus at this time. Hmm. So there's not really a way to to mitigate that other than to sort of hunker down, I guess, and 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 ride through it. Um, Dr. Paul, it was really great to have you here with us on Detroit Today. And I want to remind listeners that Dr. Paul is going to stay with us all day on Twitter, continue to answer your questions, your specific medical questions about the coronavirus. All you do is go there and hashtag Detroit Today, uh, and he will be able to see what you're asking about and give you, again, information that you can really count on, information that is true and helpful uh, in this time when that is at an absolute premium in our country. Again, Dr. Paul, it's always great to have you here, but it was especially great to have you here today to help out our listeners. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me on, and thank you, everyone, for the great questions. Okay, that's going to do it for me today. I'll be back tomorrow, and I hope you will too. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.